I heard, I saw actually a friend had posted something. Something that God had done in their church last Sunday. Talking about a sermon, one of those types of sermons that when they had written their sermon and they were good to go, that God kind of stopped them and said no. And the way that he worded it, it was, there are times as a pastor or speaker that you can get to the point where you can almost ask God to co-sponsor what you're doing instead of following the leading of God. And so he changed what he was going to do, and it touched me deeply, and I am going to be speaking on some points that I heard from his sermon after I watched that. And it's my friend, and his name is Rich Bull. He's a pastor down toward King's Island now. He's someone that's been in my life for many years, and he is a fireball. And I'm honored to be able to communicate some of what he spoke to his congregation last week. Don't miss Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite times of year. I say don't miss Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about missing getting together with your family. Talking about the heart of thanksgiving, our text for today is going to come from Luke. Give me this first verse. Luke 17. There were ten lepers. I'm going to read it. It'll be up here. There's going to be some things that I'm going to say maybe twice or three times because it hit me like that, and you may need to write it down. And then as he, Jesus, entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So here's the context of what we are looking at. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is passing through the midst. It says in verse 11, it gives the setup of Galilee and Samaria. Jesus is on his way, his time here on earth, the path to the cross. It's getting shorter and shorter. That time is coming. Merriam-Webster says this about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a public acknowledgement or celebration of divine goodness. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In verse 12, we find this, that Jesus enters a certain village. There he meets 10 men who were lepers, and they stood afar off. Okay, leprosy. We've talked about this before in church, but just to give you a little... uh, background on what leprosy is. Leprosy was a disease where you would waste away. Leprosy was an infection in your body, and it would affect your nerves. Leprosy is a disfiguring death sentence during this time. A lot of the Israelites, there was some 
real almost superstition about leprosy, like it was this punishment because King Isaiah had been struck with leprosy. And so when they heard leprosy, they saw it in a very certain way. And when we talk about Samaritans, and I'm going to talk about that today because one of these men are a Samaritan, and you may be like, well, why are Samaritans disliked? Well, here's why they're disliked, because in 740 BC, the exile takes place. God's people are carried off to Assyria. Those who were left behind intermingled with people that were not God's people. And so those who held to the Jewish faith saw the Samaritans as people of compromise. This is why they were disliked by the Jews. It's amazing, though, how hard times can bring people together. Here you have 10 people, and one of them's a Samaritan, and they're arguing about nothing because they're all in misery with leprosy together. It's funny when we come to times of heartbreak how our likes, dislikes can sort of fade away. You ever notice that? It says in this verse that, it says, he met them. There he met 10 men. That word met means encounter. What I love about this is we talk so often about encountering Jesus, but here comes Jesus down the road, and he's about to encounter these men. I say that because someone in a place of faith needs to understand, I want to get in the way of where Jesus is going to be. I want to be there. I want to be in that presence. When I hear that he's coming, I want to be nearby. Well, when you hear about this, though, when it comes to the Mosaic laws, they couldn't just walk up to Jesus. Here was the law. You had to stay 100 paces away from other people. You were not allowed to go into the big cities. You could only go into certain parts of small towns. You had to yell, unclean, unclean, no matter where you went. You weren't allowed to take roadways because you may encounter other people and infect them. This is, this is the life that they were relegated to, these people. Verse 13 says, And the lepers lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Here's what's wild. Leprosy, this disease, not only affects the skin, the eyes, it affects the voice. This is something that I read. Charles Spurgeon did a study. Leprosy dries out the throat. And so these men, at best, from walking around screaming unclean, unclean all the time, would just barely have a rasp for their voice. And so a hundred paces away, here's Jesus coming, and they start crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Maybe this is someone here that you may not have leprosy in a physical sense, but you may be a spiritual leper, and your voice may be weak because you have been walking around in this place of sickness for so long that you don't even know how to yell out anymore. It's hard to yell out. Maybe your voice is hoarse because you've been telling God's people, stay away from me, I'm toxic. Keep your distance, don't come around me. Something that I read about. When it comes to addiction, often the person must come to the point where they decide that this is enough. In a spiritual sense, it can be the same way. We need to come to a place where we just sort of plant our feet and say, in Jesus' name, this is enough. In Jesus' name. Like the deer pants for the water. I want to be like a thirsty animal going after Jesus Christ. This is how I want to be. I've got to have Jesus no matter what goes on. As long as there's breath, I'm going to cry out Jesus. As long as there's breath, I'm going to cry out for mercy. 
because there is power in Jesus' name. When they cry out master, master could mean several things. Obviously, it means master, but it could mean rabbi, and it also means chief or commander. So when they're calling out to him in this, oh, captain, my captain kind of way, they're saying, we know who you are, and we know you're in charge. Those Greek words, have mercy. It's not just have mercy like Uncle Jesse would cry out. It's have mercy in the feel sympathy that manifests action kind of way. Like, not only just feel bad for me, but manifest action on my behalf. Jesus isn't scared what's causing you to fall apart. He's not scared of that. And I think someone's at a place where they're like, when I get it together, I'll draw closer to Jesus. Maybe Jesus is saying, I want you falling apart or however you are to draw close to me. Isaiah 65, 24. And it's going to come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were healed. Someone needs to get this in their spirit that not only does Jesus hear you, he sees you. Psalm 121.5, the Lord is your keeper, he is your protector, and he is your watcher. If there's anyone I want keeping an eye on me, it is Jesus Christ. He says immediately, you notice with this, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. He did not say, hello, I'm Jesus. Hello, I'm the Messiah. He didn't go into any of those introduction things. He immediately says, go to the priests. Here's something wild. You know I like to watch Bear Grylls, and Bear Grylls does dumb things, and maybe that's why I like him. And the one dumb thing Bear Grylls does is that Bear Grylls, he goes out and he walks on thin ice until he falls in to show people how to get out of that, right? And as soon as he gets out of the water, he starts doing something. In a situation where you're cold and people tell you to get moving, why would they tell you to get moving? To get what? to get the blood flowing. I feel like in this circumstance, when you feel like that spiritual leper, when everything gets cold around you, maybe you need to start stepping toward the places Jesus is telling you to go to get the blood flowing. Because I feel like we get in this place where we would rather be cold. You know, we're all together. We've gotten used to this. And instead of doing something that makes no sense, we'll stay where we are. As they went, they were cleansed. You know why they were healed? They were healed because he chose to heal them. But here's what I love. But he chose to involve their faith in it. And this is what I love about the miraculous. When the miraculous happens, it's like we are privileged to have a front row seat to what God is doing. And he's going to call on us through faith to join in on that. We need to start walking like the new man before we feel like the new man, before we look like the new man, we need to start walking like the new man. The time to run away from church isn't when you're falling apart. That's the time to run toward God's house. Not that God's house can save you, but I am telling you there is power and agreement with God's people. And there is nowhere I would rather be on days to celebrate or on days I'm falling apart with God's people. You might say, but God doesn't understand. Oh, he understands more than you know. 
Something that Rich said that cut right through me. Do you know what a miracle is? A miracle is God setting things back to right. But then he said something and it rocked me. And it didn't offend me, but I'm going to call him about it because it got me. He made a remark that miracles are the most natural thing that should be happening in God's house. But how we, when a miracle happens, about lose our mind because we act like that's this huge thing, right? It is, and we should give God praise. But why do we wait for something that is huge before we open our mouth and start praising God? We need to stop with the more or less thing. If you move more, I'll praise you more. But when I feel less, I'm going to praise you less. Why do we do that? We need to praise God according to who he is, to his greatness, regardless of circumstance. Here's what's wild. And here is something that I came across, and it kind of blew my mind. Do you know why they had to go to the priest? Because the priest, under Mosaic law, was the only one who could say they were truly clean. And here is how it looked. Over a seven-day process, there would be three questions which would be asked. Number one, was the person really a leper? Number two, is the leprosy really gone? And number three, what are the circumstances regarding the leprosy being gone? These are the things over seven days they would do. There were four different offerings that would go on. At the end of seven days, they would be declared clean. But here's what I love. Sometime prior to the coming of Jesus, the rabbis separated the miracles into two categories. There were miracles that anyone would be able to perform if the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them to do so. But there was a second category. This is where healing of leprosy fell in. It's called a messianic miracle. They were miracles that only the Messiah would be able to carry out. And so what I love about this is that when you read, when you read about Naaman, when you read about things like this, this would be the case of a leper healed that fell under Mosaic law that would need to go to the priest. And so when they walk into the priest, even though the priest had paperwork that would say that, can you see them going to get the binder to blow the dust off of it? Because they need to know what do we do in this circumstance? Because we don't think the Messiah came, but a miracle that could only be performed by the Messiah just happened. So what does that mean? It's like Jesus at this point is pulling out all the stops. And one of these men, In verses 15 and 16, when he saw he was healed, he returned. With a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, and he gave God thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Here's a truth. God has done the miraculous in someone's life. And you need to understand that turning back does not mean going back.
turning back to thank Jesus for what he did in that season does not mean you are going back. It means you are acknowledging the God that we serve. It is an act of spiritual warfare going back to build an altar at the place where God did something miraculous in your life. It's almost saying, in all this excitement, don't let me forget to mark this place in my life and the one who brought the miracle forth. Here's what's wild. He said to them, go walk to the priest. Did you notice with that? They were not healed before they went. And so when he says this, though, we can deduce that the healing took place when they were out of sight. So can you imagine as this man comes back and he's crying out in this loud voice for Jesus, the disciples standing with Jesus, and there are times when we get in God's house where we get all formal, right? And so you may have something exciting that you just want to spout off about Jesus, but you come in and other people, they may be like, hmm, and you turn it down. It's time to turn it up when Jesus has done something in your life. It's time to not worry about whether people saw what happened so they can be a witness to it. Maybe you need to just show up and just start running your mouth about Jesus Christ in front of them and let them figure it out. The one who turned back, he glorifies God with a loud voice. Well, when you study those Greek words, do you know what loud is in Greek? It's mega. Do you know what voice is? It's phone, like where we get phonics from. So literally, like a megaphone, this guy who had no voice before, he comes back shouting praise and thanksgiving to Jesus Christ. To whomever has had your voice stolen, God doesn't stop at the surface. He could have stopped at just healing that leprosy. But he wanted that healing to go deep because he wanted that man to keep speaking his praises everywhere he went. Wherever you are and however deep the harm has gone, the healing can go deeper. I say that with all confidence in the one that we serve. So Jesus answered and he said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Here's what I love. That Samaritan, remember, he was the outsider. He wasn't raised like the other people. Here's what they were okay with at this point. They were okay with following Jesus' directions and going to see the priest because they knew when they saw the priest that they could get back to their old lives. I think it's vital for us as people of God to know that we can come to Jesus in sorrow, but we need to learn to go back to him in joy. Rich had said something and it hit me. Treat God like a vending machine. You walk up and you're like, oh, trouble in my marriage. A2. Oh, my kids are off the rails. B7. You know, like we do that. I mean, that's the way that we can do that with God. And I'm not saying don't go to God when you have need. I'm saying don't treat God like you do the vending machine down at TriPoint. It is time for us to learn to bring us, to bring him our joy. 
It's time to come to him. And what's wild, you know, when you hear this, and this was a point that he made, we hear this and we almost act like, well, those nine, they were ungrateful heathens. You know what? They weren't ungrateful heathens. You know what they were doing? They were doing what they were taught. I mean, how many of us do what we are taught, right? In a religious sense, in a spiritual sense. Ten out of ten, nine were willing to go through with the religious ceremony. Going to make a statement. Religion is easy and religion is common. And often religion is about us. Relationship is difficult at times because it causes us to get over ourselves and get past ourselves and walk to Jesus even when we don't feel like it sometimes. In verse 19, Jesus says to the man, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's amazing how hardship can level the playing field, but it's also equally amazing how thanksgiving can truly heal something. That phrase has made you well. Did you pick up on the verses the leprosy was already gone? That word made you well has nothing to do with the physical healing of the man's leprosy. That word is the same word. It's called sozo, and it's used in talking about a deliverance, in talking about almost like a baby being born. And I say that in a way because someone needs to understand in this season when we give praise with a heart of thanksgiving that new things are going to be born in your life. And not everyone's going to lift up their voice in thanksgiving. I don't want to miss out on what he has for me. In marriage counseling, I was going through the other night with a wonderful young couple. And it was a a segment on money. And this statement was made. The lady who is a financial counselor, she said, money will not make you a different person. It's only going to magnify the type of person that you are. Dig into that a minute. You know, that's when people sit around and they're like, well, you know, when God helps me get my bills straight, I'll be a better giver. You know, when God, when my boat comes in, then I'm going to give to every cause and I'm going to be the best. Yeah, you know what? You probably won't. If you don't now, you may not then. Just going to be real about it. Well, let me bring that back in. The same can apply when it comes to miracles. If you're sitting withholding your praise, if you're like, I'm going to praise Jesus Christ when he does this, that's not how it works. Because if the word of God, if the gospel of Jesus Christ has not delivered you from that, then stop waiting for the miracle because the miracle is not going to be the thing that does it. Where'd that come from? Thanksgiving does this. It declares that my heart longs to lift up the one who is worthy. It isn't as much of what he has poured on me as what I can pour on him. It's that way of me busting out. That alabaster box for him. Not because it's a special occasion, but because of who he is. I'm going to close. And I have two things I need to share. 
one of these things is a quote. And I want to share it because I don't want you thinking that I'm standing here being the most insensitive person ever, thinking that, well, obviously you're not going through anything, and so I can stand here and say whatever I want. Here's a quote that it was a pastor friend, I guess, of Rich's, but I love the quote. She said, my congregation is beautiful and they are ordinary. But in that one room each Sunday, there's enough sadness to make the heavens silent. I laid in that office this morning on that couch, bawling like a baby, because I don't want the things that I say to come off as harsh. I want you to understand that as the one who has been given the mantle in this season at this church, that I understand that some of you are going through storms. But with all confidence, the words that were spoken apply just as much. There is a story of a boat. It was called the Lady Elgin. September 8th, 1860 on Lake Michigan, this boat was sailing, filled with people. It was near the city of Port Clinton, Illinois. It ran into another boat called the Augusta. This wreck is known as the second most deadly accident in Lake Michigan history. Nearly 300 people died. As the boats collided, people were badly hurt. As the boats began to go down, pieces were floating. And though it was not far from the shore, as people scrambled to get pieces that were floating to grab onto, the water was very cold. And it doesn't take much to get hypothermia. It doesn't take much when you're injured to pass away. And on the shore, not very far from where the wreck took place, there were students from Northwestern University and Garrett Bible Institute. Among them was a young man. His name was Edward Spencer. He was a ministry student. He was there for seminary. He didn't have a boat, but what he did is he waded out and he swam out into that water. And he grabbed someone he pulled them back in and then he went out again and again and again and over the next three hours he went out 17 times he saved 17 people but because of how cold it was unseasonably cold wind blowing in that water it did great damage to his body in fact his passion for preaching he was never able to fully pursue that because it damaged his lungs Years later, he was being interviewed, and the question was asked to him, Sir, what stands out most to you about the tragedy of that night and of all the people that you saved? Do you know what his response was? What stands out most is this, that not one person has ever said thank you. It cuts through me because this is how my walk can be at times. When I have so much to be thankful for, but I just forget to do it. I just put it on the back burner because there's life to live. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18 again, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What do you mean? Paul's asking me to praise knowing what is going on right now? The turmoil in my life? Yes, he is. Because it's God's will for you to do that. None of us are exempt. Do you remember when I said that word, when he says your faith has made you well? Sozo, delivered. A baby being delivered. But another meaning of that is a person who has been rescued from a storm at sea. There is an offering. An angel bowl got up, and the moment she got up, I could feel the Holy Spirit. And she shared about this offering, and the offering is called the Toda offering. There are four groups of people who may offer this offering. It is not a required offering. In Mosaic law, often things were required. This was a voluntary offering, offered by, number one, seafarers who have made it to land, travelers who have reached their destination, people who have recovered from an illness, and prisoners who have been released from captivity. The way this offering worked was, you were to bake 40 loaves of bread. It's a lot of bread. You were to take a goat or a lamb to the priest. You were to present it before the priest. The priest would take that animal and they would offer that animal. They would cook that animal there. And something was different about this offering. The priest would keep five loaves of bread. And they would send the person away. And here is what they were given. They were given that entire animal and they were given 35 loaves of bread. They were given this instruction. This must all be consumed today. You may say, that's weird. Right? I think of Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke. Can't nobody eat however many dozen boiled eggs, right? It wasn't just for them to eat. The idea with Thanksgiving was this. It was to invite other people in, and while they were sitting there, to share that meal with them. And as they shared that meal together, to begin to speak about the greatness of God and what he had done. And in that season, letting them know, this is not something I had to do. This is something I wanted to do because of who he is. It's time for us to show up with a heart of thanksgiving. It's time for us to get to that place where I know it is God's will for me to be speaking praise regardless of season. In a moment, we're going to be having communion together. We're going to do it in the middle, but as you saw, that just wasn't the right timing. I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask you as a church to stand. As your pastor, I will be transparent before you and tell you 
that I need to ask God to forgive me for all of the times that I have waited for something big enough to give him thanks for. And to tell you that in this season, God is doing something, church. God is moving in a way that is fresh and new to us. It is not new to him, but it is fresh and new to us. Get in, wade in it, be a part of what he is doing. Do not be scared. Do not try to be like someone else. But in this moment, let's just pray. And here's what I would ask. Just thank him. If you haven't had that thankful heart, just ask him to forgive you. Oh, he's a good father. Let's pray, church. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the way that you move. And Father, whatever goes on in the world around me, the world outside these walls and the world inside these walls, God, I pray that we would be that one. And for any time, God, that we have taken you for granted, Lord, on behalf of myself, I ask forgiveness. I pray that the miraculous would become so routine to us, Lord. And I pray when it does, that we would lift our hearts to you because of who you are, not because of what you give us. Keep us in check, Lord. And I pray for great things in you, in Jesus' name. wanted to, uh, as the ushers come around, now you may get one of our older communions, that doesn't mean they're old, it just means they're the ones that we're running out of, and now we're going toward newer communions, I think Bernie may have brought us these and recommended them, great recommendation Bernie, and so if you get that, I'm going to ask Dania to come up while they're passing that out, I wanted Dania to share a testimony of something that God did because it is vital for us to hear the things God's doing in the family. God is good. All the time. I just wanted to share um, a testimony that happened. Um, God, God God provides. God really provides. I got a call three weeks ago now from my old job. I hadn't been there, haven't spoken to her in three years. And she's like, hey, I'm retiring. Come and take my position. Um, Yeah, it was not even an interview. She's like, it's yours if you want it. It doubled our salary, our income. And God is good. God is good. Praising him in all seasons, giving thanks in all seasons. And he is faithful and he will provide praising him in all seasons. So that was a mighty golf clap for what God has done. I'm not going to lie, but here's where I am. (laughs) So whether you know it or not, that is the Life Kids pastor who gives of her heart and her time on a weekly basis to minister to your children. 
And when I say that, it's amazing the way that God sees faithfulness and the way that God's just like, you know what? Boom, boom. Like you heard that, double salary, right? That's not a small thing. And that is the way that God works. Back to a job that she was familiar with at a place that she loved. This is how God works. I'm going to read this scripture and then we will partake together. From 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. But then it says to examine yourself. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It says that if we drink it in an unworthy manner, we eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. I don't say that in a threatening way. I say that in a real way because the things of God are sacred. We need to just take a moment. You just need to speak to the Lord. If there are things that you need to lay before him, do so. close that prayer out with just thanking him for the fact of this love story of a gospel for a savior who loved us enough to come here so that we could be part of his family God I'm so thankful this is no small thing and now we'll just take a moment so everybody can open this together there are times that it sounds pretty crazy, right? Just get that open. Jesus, thank you for what you have done. So now with the bread in hand, snap it. Take the bread together, church. just take a second to soak in the fact of how much Jesus loves you, of what a privilege this is, and the fact that we can celebrate this together. What an honor. God, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for this family. And Lord, I thank you for this unity in Jesus' name.